Welcome to ACC Basketball Report. I'm Michael Hunter. This is episode number, I don't really know, 109, 110, somewhere in there. Um, really good show for you guys tonight. Uh, just wrapped up a little while ago. Jerry Ratcliffe joined me uh, tonight, as well as the chimp, as always, and had a really fun show. Jerry's a good sport, uh, good guy. First time I've had him on. It was a good conversation. He, of course, uh, covers Virginia basketball and football extensively, and uh Again, I didn't know Jerry before tonight, but it was it was a pleasure having him on. Um, you know, the chimp kind of kind of nailed it when he said uh, recently to me in a, in a private conversation that um, Jerry Ratcliffe is is the Tom Noy of Virginia basketball, and that's that's exactly right. I love talking to guys like Tom Noy, like Jerry Ratcliffe, um, guys that you know work specifically around the program that have insights that maybe you don't get from from other people around the country and some of my favorite guys um to to have on the show because they're established um they're not necessarily trying to make friends or impress anybody they're just going to give it to you straight and that's that's what i love about some of these beat writers that they'll just they'll just give it to you straight so it's fantastic for me um as as a guy who doesn't get to to see inside those programs or see inside those locker rooms very often. So I was very thankful to have Jerry on. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun tonight. Um, Don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Uh, Again, we're on all the major outlets at this point, so um, it shouldn't be difficult to find. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us five stars. Um, Everybody continue to tell me how much everybody loves the chimp because God knows I love hearing that. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. We really had a good time tonight, and uh, I won't waste your time with a big, long intro, but here he is, Jerry Ratcliffe. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, a Kogi. He beat the buzzer. Welcome to ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter with very special guest today, Jerry Ratcliffe joins the Chimp and I. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys, and I hope you are. Not not bad. I'm looking forward to today's show. I can't believe I haven't had you on here before. Um, I guess, you know, for those of you know my listeners who maybe don't know who you are, uh, give us a little introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where we can find your work and, and what you're up to. Okay. Uh, I've uh, been in the sports writing business since uh, college and uh, was sports editor of the Charlottesville newspaper for 36 years uh, until many of us uh, started getting bought out and forced out uh, around the country. Um, So I decided to start my own website, uh, jerryratcliffe.com, that covers UVA primarily and the ACC and some other uh, ventures like golf and running and physical fitness. And I'm currently uh, in the second year of a radio show with uh, ESPN Charlottesville and WINA Radio, and uh, that's where we are today. Nice, congratulations! I like your uh, I like your profile pic on on Twitter. You and a uh, and a seemingly younger Dick Vitale. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that relationship between the two of you guys? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I. Um, I, I just became kind of um, fascinated with Dickie V back uh, when he started with ESPN. Uh, I, I don't know if he was there at the very beginning when they started 
their network in 1979. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know if he wasn't there immediately, it was shortly after he had, after he had been given the pink slip uh, from the D- Detroit uh, Pistons. Um, and I, he just brought, uh, at that time in broadcasting, and even today to some degree, he, he just brought a unique style that uh, I thought was kind of fresh and exciting as compared to this, you know, just sort of the conventional guys that were doing it at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I just got to know him a little bit through uh, um, running into him at games and stuff. And uh, I think I was one of the first people that did a, a really a long read profile on him and his life. Uh, back in the day and talked to him and his wife, uh, Lorraine, and some of his other ESPN cohorts and got uh, just incredible stories about uh, Dickey. And uh, uh, mostly through the ACC tournament, uh, he used to do a lot of games mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in the day uh, during the tournament uh, and other uh, places we'd run into each other at the NCAAs and Final Fours and stuff, and uh, we just kind of bonded. And uh, I've, I've um, really uh, uh, endeared to him, just because of what a, a good man he is, and he. Um, uh, I like the work that he does. <clears throat> he works. Tire- he works tirelessly to try to fight, uh, not just cancer for the Jimmy V Foundation, but childhood cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has helped so many children in our country. And um, my son, who was in a uh, really bad car accident uh, years ago with another friend on the way to the beach and was paralyzed from the ribs down, wasn't sure what he was going to do with his life at that point. And um, Dickie V invited us to... Uh, it was a year that Virginia was not in the NCAA tournament in the, uh, I think, the late uh, 90s. Mm-hmm. And he invited my son and I to ESPN. Uh, we were up there actually covering uh, a North Carolina regional and uh, in Hartford, I believe it was. And uh, he invited us over to spend a day with, uh, with him at the ESPN studios and just look around because he knew my son was interested in... Um, sports broadcasting or something to that effect. And uh, he went way out of his way that day, and we were there all day long, um, taking us on set, uh, stuff like that, and just showing my son all the aspects of ESPN. And uh, at one point, uh, which really uh, touched my heart and something I'll never forget, is that he and Digger Phelps sat my son down and gave him one of the most inspirational, um, motivational-type talks that I've ever witnessed anywhere, just trying to help him out of his uh, situation. Um, so if I didn't have any great respect for him before then, I, I really did coming out of there, but uh, I already did. And uh, we've just been friends ever since. Uh, I don't get to see him quite as much anymore, uh, although he has been to a few uh, UVA games over the past uh, three seasons, and, and that has, has helped a lot in keeping touch. Yeah, for sure. Is is his, 
like he has a certain public persona um, when he's on when he's on television. Is that is that just him? Is that how he is all the time? Is he always amped up and excited and just gets you know an exuberance for the game of basketball? Is that just who Dickie V is in everyday life? Uh, to, to some degree, although uh, back as early as, as the as the early '80s, he told me then that that was his shtick. Right. Uh, he had to have a shtick uh, to to separate himself from some of the others, and so uh, that's what we see a lot during basketball games on TV. Uh, he is a very excitable guy. Uh, and and is very enthusiastic. And uh, he loves people. He loves talking to people. I've, I've seen him in hotel lobbies and places, just going around introducing himself to, to strangers. Just, uh, <laughs> just the kind of guy he is. And uh, uh, Bob Lee, uh, Bob Lee told me once uh, when I did that profile on him, he says we can be in a restaurant, and uh, Dickie V will will be uh, sitting at a table with Bob Lee and. Uh, there'll be a, some people at the next table that kind of looking at him. They might not know who he is, and it's killing Dickie that that they haven't made the connection. So uh, <laughs> he'll actually get up and go to the next table and introduce himself to somebody. <laughs> that, that's just the kind of guy he is. Chimp, anything that you may be wondering about, uh, Mr. Vitale? Uh, can you repeat that? I just wondered if, if you want, before we moved on to Virginia basketball, if there's anything you wanted to add about, about Dickie V. Well, yeah, listening to uh, to Jerry talk about uh, being up at ESPN, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I was up uh, in Hartford. Uh, it may have been the same year because Carolina was playing. I remember uh, in that Hartford regional, and actually I went over to ESPN to see uh, my friend Reese Davis. And I sat in that war room with Digger and uh, Dick Vitale when I went to visit. And I got to tell you, uh, Dick Vitale couldn't, couldn't have been any nicer. Just such a nice human being. And whether you like the persona and the stick, um, I believe that is really who he is. And as I said, he couldn't have been any nicer. And, um, and it's really great to hear Jerry tell that story. Uh, totally yeah, agree. we might have been there. To, we might have been there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And you know, you got they have this. Uh, I said a war room, but it, you had a little room back there with a bunch of TVs and you know soft drinks and snacks and different things. And you go, we just sat there and watched basketball and talked basketball, and uh, it, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great day. Moving, moving to the hardwood here. Uh, you know, you Jerry, you cover Virginia basketball quite extensively, um, providing game recaps and, and opinions on the team and things of that nature. When, when you look at this year's team, um, I was high on them in the preseason. I kind of faded them a little bit after the San Francisco loss, and then they got blown out by Gonzaga. Then they seem to kind of find their footing. Um, Virginia Tech kind of kind of blows them away a little bit. Then Duke sneaks by them last week, but Duke seems to be kind of up and coming. Ultimately, what do you think is is the ceiling for this Virginia team this season? Uh, I think I think a lot of Virginia fans are, are kind of disappointed. I think they thought this would be uh, one of Tony's <clears throat> best teams. It's certainly the deepest Virginia team I can remember mm-hmm. uh, in my years covering them. Um, I think they have uh, 
as good as they are and as good of players as they have, I think they uh, teams have kind of figured them out because obviously we knew going into the season they were not going to be a strong defensively and particularly in the post defense with without the rim protection that they had with Braxton Key and Mamadi Diakite. Mm-hmm. Diakite. Um, they're just not that kind of guy uh, on this roster right now. If he is, he hasn't surfaced to that point. So that, that was a liability to start with, and people started exploiting that. I think they countered it by uh, taking care of the ball really well and, 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 and uh, having Jay Huff and Sam Hauser play some great offensive basketball. Uh, and and they, they have been pretty good, but you know part of the problem is and you have to give Jeff, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Josh Passner uh, down at Georgia Tech a lot of credit. Uh, a lot of people don't think he's a very good basketball coach, but he's the guy that came up with this recent concept on how to beat Virginia, uh, recognizing that in that mover-blocker offense that Tony likes so well, that most of that is generated by the number four and number five positions on the floor setting screens for other shooters. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that your number four and number five guys are your best offensive players. So uh, it kind of defeats the purpose in a way. Uh, and when they've gone to the five out that we've seen from time to time, um, you know, everybody has to be working on all cylinders, able to hit from three-point range to be effective and uh, spreading the floor. And, and they don't have a lot of guys who – uh, can drive the basketball and create their own shots. So uh, he's got some dilemmas there offensively, even though this is maybe the best offensive team he's had uh, numbers-wise uh, in, in most of his 12 or 13 years here. Um, I, you know, when they get in trouble like that um, and people are taking away Hauser and taking away Huff, uh I think it's going to be, you know, they're putting a lot of, putting a tremendous amount of pressure on Kihei Clark mm-hmm. to uh, not only create shots for himself, but for to create shots for everybody else. Because when those guys are being uh, denied the ball and double teamed, um, and they're daring Kihei and Reese Bickman to shoot the ball, uh, Kihei is a decent shooter, but. Um, he can't do it by himself. Reese, I think, is kind of reluctant because he's a freshman, and he, I guess he just doesn't feel aggressive enough when he's got all these veterans around him. Uh, Murphy uh, can create a little bit, but uh, I think they need to find ways to get him more shots. Um, and they really missed Walden Tenside the other night against Duke because mm-hmm. they needed somebody who could make a shot other than the big three, Kihei was doing okay, but he, he couldn't do it by himself. What you, uh, go ahead. So anyway, I, I think that, you know they have some dilemmas that they're trying to resolve, and uh, before the you know don't have much left of the regular season, but they've got to get these things figured out before they hit the postseason because you just can't afford to have one of those games in the postseason. Or you're all you're done. No, I agree, hundred um. percent. I think the Florida State game kind of sticks out as, you know, Florida State just jumped all over them. Um, 
I was a little bit down on Florida State coming into the season, but I'm, I'm coming around. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, you did mention Reese Beekman. You know, coming into the season, I, I expected a lot from uh, Jabri Abdurrahim, but it's really Ben Beekman that's kind of impressed, um, gotten a lot of time off the bench, moved into the starting lineup here and there. Um, is this what you expected? Was this expected within the program for him to be so much more of an impact player than, than Abdurrahim? Uh, I thought they would both see playing time, but I guess uh, Raheem, uh, I guess Raheem's defense isn't what we expected, and mm-hmm. I assume that's why he's not playing, although there's only so many guys you can play. Right. Um, Bigman uh, surprised me a little bit. I thought he would play, but I, I didn't think he would uh, work his way into the starting lineup as quickly as he did. I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a star here. Uh He's got uh, incredibly quick hands, uh, long arms. He uh, moves well. Um, he plays a pretty good defense, uh, uh, not a bad rebounder. I think he's a better scorer than what we're seeing out of him. And, again, I think a lot of that is just being a freshman and maybe not uh, wanting to be too aggressive when he's being surrounded by older players. and. I think they. I think Tony has encouraged him to make that step, but I, for some reason he's not doing it. I don't know if he's hit the uh, proverbial freshman wall, mm-hmm. or or if he's just reluctant. Uh, he seems he seems to be just a really good kid, maybe a little a little shy in that respect, and uh, just needs to be prodded more by uh, the coaches to to step up and and be a more aggressive scorer because. Uh, my gosh, in high school, he was an incredible scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he will be here. I think it's it just he needs to find a way to make that next step. What at this point, you know, I, I expected a lot. I really like Casey Morsell uh, coming out of high school. I thought he was tailor-made for this Virginia program. We're about two seasons deep, and he's, he just to say it, he's really struggled um, in his time in Charlottesville. At this point, is he is he what we've seen, or is there an expectation that he will eventually kind of break out of this this slump that is, you know, almost lasted two seasons at this point? Yeah, you know, I feel kind of the same way you do, uh, or 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 did about him coming in. Uh, he had the incredible credentials. Um, I was just I've been surprised that his shot has been so. Mm-hmm. Ineffective. I, you know, I thought he would be a good scorer, uh, but his shot has just been defective ever since he got here. I, I don't know if it's uh, a lack of confidence or just uh, it, he's got to be a better shooter than what he has shown. Uh, I don't know if he needs to work harder on it. I've heard that he works hard on his shot. Uh, I don't know if there's some flaws that they can correct. Uh, you would think they would have done so by now because I know they – record all of those shots, the angles, they have machines that measure all that stuff. Yep. Um, he's been an outstanding defensive player and a, a decent rebounder. Uh, I just think for him to be uh, an effective guy from this point on, he's, he's got to elevate his offensive game somehow. And I don't know how you do that because uh, it sounds like he's doing all the right things to get there. Um, I don't know if they misjudged that uh, in the evaluation process when they were recruiting him. Um, 
or if he uh, just lacks confidence because he got off to such a slow start last year and he's had a tough time regaining it. I, I, I'm kind of mystified by that whole process. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and to, to watch him shoot – He's got a nice looking jump shot. I, I, I don't I, I just don't understand how it doesn't go in uh, more often. Um, you know Virginia did uh, just land uh, their number one recruiting target um, about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago in uh, Isaac McNeely. Can you can you tell us a little bit about him? Maybe give us a little scouting report as far as w- what fans can expect when this guy arrives in 2022. I really like this kid. I had him on my radio show uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and um, I've inter- I've interviewed a lot of college players and some NBA players that didn't that wanted to get an interview as he was <laughs> as a junior in high school. He's uh, poised, he's confident, uh, articulate, well-spoken, um, very personable kid. Uh, absolutely no ego. Uh, he reminds me in that respect and on the court of Joe Harris. Okay. And uh, that's about as high a compliment as I can pay him because Joe Harris is one of the most genuine people that's ever come through this Virginia basketball program in the last 40 years. Uh, just a great, great guy. And th- this kid's cut from the same mold. Uh, he's reminded uh, Virginia's coaches of Joe Harris, and that's pretty nice considering that Joe Harris is ruling the NBA in three-point mm-hmm. shooting right now um, and may end up uh, as its greatest all-time three-point shooter, which is mind-boggling considering uh, he struggled when he first broke into the NBA. <laughs> uh, McNe- McNeely is just a, a really great, hard-working kid. Um, he uh, grew his uh, body uh, physically and, uh, and grew his game uh, over this past summer. He grew two inches, put on like 15 pounds of muscle um, by not playing AAU ball um, and uh, worked hard in the gym. He had a gym that was available to him and a weight room that was available to him. And uh, he uh, he grew his game by leaps and bounds, became a a better shooter, better three-point shooter. Um, I guess he's a combo guard, but I think he'll be a shooting guard at Virginia. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really high percentage shooter, uh, inside and outside the arc. Um, decent ball handler, a good defensive player. Uh, his coach, um, is a kind of a UVA guy. He, uh, he fell in love with Terry Holland's offense, came here back in the eighties and learned that offense, took it to his high school program and ran it for years. Uh, then a couple of years ago, um, a few years ago, through Kyle Getter, uh, came to UVA and uh, sat down and with uh, Brad Soderberg and uh, learned uh, Virginia's mover blocker scheme and the pack line and all that stuff. Took it back to Polka, West Virginia. Uh, I love their uh, nickname of their team. They're the Polka Dots. Uh, <laughs> one of the best name nicknames in high school sports, I think. Uh, and, and, and instituted that as, as part of his program, which they, uh, still run. So, uh, like he said, when McNeely gets told to, uh, fill the gap, he's going to know exactly what they're talking about. He, 
he doesn't have a much of a learning curve in, in those respects. So, um, I think this kid is is going to be a, a star at Virginia. I think he's going to be uh, just tremendous. So they're uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does this season. I think they start playing games March the fifteenth in West Virginia. So we'll keep our eye on him. But uh, just a great kid, and I think he's going to be a great player for Virginia. Yeah, it's interesting that he'll he'll already know the scheme once he arrives because <clears throat> um, freshmen, you know, we're we're seeing it with Abdurrahim this year. You know, freshmen don't typically have a, a tremendous amount of success when they first get to Virginia. Um, even you know, regardless of how how highly they're regarded as preps, there is a certain learning curve once you get to Charlottesville and once you get under Tony Bennett and what he's actually trying especially. to do, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, especially on the defensive side. I remember Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, we asked them uh, when they were seniors, uh, hey, guys, when you got here as freshmen, on a scale of 1 to 10, how did you view yourself as a defensive player? And they said uh, 7 or 8. And we said, well, once you got here and started doing the pack line, what did you consider yourself? And they both looked at each other and chuckled and said, uh, about a 1. <laughs> <laughs> I remember... One thing that always sticks out to me was uh, Isaiah Wilkins as a senior. I want to say it was senior night, but I'm not. I'm not overly confident in that. But uh, he was doing an interview either at halftime or, or after the game, and he was talking about how he never actually completely understood the pack line defense until about his senior year at Virginia. So, <clears throat> um, I guess I'll ask one more question, and then we'll kind of expand out into the ACC a little bit. Chimp, I'll come to you after this as well. But uh, right now, is is either Jay Huff or Sam Hauser your ACC Player of the Year, Jerry? Um, Jay Huff was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he's still a contender. And so is Hauser. I, I think they're both. Uh, I think they're both still having outstanding years, as, mm-hmm. as good as anybody. I, you know, I was anxious to see uh, uh, the Pitt guy in person, and. Uh, I kind of took him off my ballot when uh, Hauser, who's not known as a great defensive player, mm-hmm. uh, really kind of locked him up, uh, particularly in the second half of that Virginia Pitt game. And uh, and Hauser had a great game against him. So um, I'd say right now those, those two guys are, are still very high on my list, and I'm just waiting to see how they close things out. It's, it's a shame that... Uh, people are denying them the ball so much uh there's only so much they can do uh like again they're they're not neither one of those guys are really great at creating their own shots so they have to depend on somebody else to help them in that manner but uh when they do get the ball in their hands they're incredibly effective with it and uh, their numbers are, are speaking loudly uh particularly jay's because uh, i mean he's He's putting up some incredible numbers offensively that that we haven't seen uh, very much in these parts uh, for a big man since Ralph Sampson. It's uh, it's some really eye popping numbers. Yeah, you know I, I, I'm with you. A, a couple weeks ago, I was all aboard the Jay Huff train as far as as far as making him um, the player of the year. You know, really, I think it comes down to Jay. Um, Kevin Aluma from from Virginia Tech, and I, I really, I mean, Amir Sims has been dynamite all season long for Clemson as well. Um, Chimp, if you're yeah. if you're looking at the ACC, who are you looking at for ACC Player of the Year? Well, 
I would need you to provide me a list of who, <laughs> you know of five guys, and then I would probably throw a dart at it or something. Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, Huff is awfully good. Um, you know, I, I, even though he, his name will be mentioned, I like the Alvarado kid at Tech. Mm-hmm. I like to watch him play. Um, and, you know, Florida State's got some dudes, too, mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, kind of blow you away when you when you see them. But they have so many different guys that do so many different things. They kind of cancel each other out. So I'm like one of those baseball voters that vote for the Hall of Fame. I don't have a clue. No, no, no idea who's going to win player of the year. <laughs> yeah, now, Florida, State has, Florida State has some good candidates, but there's uh, they don't really have anybody that uh, – They've got two or three guys that are really good, but none of them are really uh, separating themselves from the others. So I think Scotty Barnes will be a runaway freshman of the year, but I don't think he's going to be ACC player of the year. No, I agree. Yeah, they've got to do I really like that Cooper Beats dude, too, man. That kid can play. I think he's a definite pro. You know, at at one point when he was a prep, he was – like a top five, a top five kid in his recruiting class for a while out of Montverde, um, and kind of kind of faded as as he went. But I mean, he was a one and done candidate for a while. A lot of people thought that he was just going to go right to the pros. So he's he's got the pedigree. He just he's I don't know if he's just learning a system under Hamilton or what, but it's taken him a little time to get acclimated to the college game. Um, yeah. I would- you know, and with Florida State, you know, one night it's going to be MJ Walker that leads them. The other night it's going to be Barnes or Raekwon Gray or even Anthony Polite. So, you know, it's difficult to lock them down when you got ten guys that can all play. I mean, Wyatt Wilkes is like their eighth man, and I mean he's capable of scoring 15, 20 points in a game too. So, <clears throat> um, it's just a a typical Leonard Hamilton team, which. Speaking of which, um, you know, I, like I said before, I was a little bit down on Florida State coming into the season, Jerry. They haven't really skipped a beat dis- despite the losses uh, of Trent Forrest and, and Devin Vassell. Is this one of Leonard Hamilton's best coaching jobs that he's ever done? Yeah, I think so. I think the last three years he's uh, really elevated their program. Uh, even last year when they we had the, the tournament stop uh, heading into the the weekend, but uh, and they were. Uh, they were crowned ACC champions, mm-hmm. but uh, I uh, yeah I think it's one of his better coaching jobs. He uh, it's you know a couple of new faces, and I, I thought they would be. Uh, I picked them second in my preseason poll to Virginia, mm-hmm. and I I thought it would be a close second because they have pers- good personnel. Uh, MJ Walker is I guess a lot of people wondered how good he would be this year and he's turned out to have a pretty good season uh scotty barnes uh i know he blew tony bennett away with the way he played against virginia a couple of nights ago tony said he said that kid is for real and um of course uh, uh gray had a, a great game against virginia too I, I i didn't know what to make of him coming into the season but he uh the fact that leonard is able to uh have so many guys uh such a deep bench, and it sort of almost people have made fun of him and say it's like uh, putting in the hockey lines because he'll bring in <laughs> three, four, five new guys at a time, and uh, they don't seem to drop much in, in performance, no matter who's on the floor. So 
Um, I was kind of high on them to begin the season, and uh, right now, uh, you know, I'm not ready to say they're the best team in the league, but uh, because you know they they seem to struggle on the road a little bit, even yeah. though they win, they and they haven't played on the road, I think, but four times all season. Uh, so I'm, I think I, I want to see more of how they can handle uh, winning away from Tallahassee. Sometimes that can be a team's Achilles heel, and that could be Florida State. Yeah, they just struggled last weekend with Pitt at uh, at Pittsburgh. But, um, yeah, you know, Tallahassee is such a tough place to play historically. I don't think it gets enough credit um, amongst casual basketball fans, but Hamilton's always been really, really good at Tallahassee as well. <clears throat> yeah, the fact that they've won uh, 24 in a row at home speaks volumes because that's only too shy of the ACC record, and there's been a lot of good teams yeah. throughout the years, yeah. obviously. Um, when it comes to the ACC overall as a league, is is COVID to blame, do you think, for everyone's inconsistency, or is this just another year where we're not quite seeing the level of play that we typically expect out of the league? Well, I think Carolina and Duke were going to be down a little bit, irregardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, although COVID, COVID certainly hadn't helped, and I, you know, when Carolina and Duke are down, the ACC is down, uh, mm-hmm. and the maybe not as much uh, in the eyes of people who uh, follow the ACC for, or member, you know, root for <coughs> ACC teams. I think they were probably a little bit more wise about the league than people around the country. Uh, who perceive the ACC as just being a Carolina Duke league, uh, and so if they're down in their eyes, the ACC down, and and it is. Uh, Florida State and Virginia, I think, are really good teams uh, with some issues that they just need to uh, try to solve as we head toward postseason. Um, there are some other decent teams in the league, but I think COVID has played a major role and holding a lot of teams back that you, you just you get you think you're playing well then you get shut down for you yeah. know a week to 11 days or so and and it's like almost starting all over again for some teams and uh they just they just don't have that continuity that they would have if we were able to uh, continue to play and you know i think it just sets people back so much with this stop and start you, do, you just can't develop that consistency that you need to be a good basketball team there's just uh, too many too many chinks in the armor to do that i guess uh so yeah i think i think the league is decent it's certainly not the best league in the country this year but i, I think it would be a lot better if, if covid hadn't happened so virginia had to go on pause from uh basically december 4th to december 22nd um since then they haven't really had had to pause, if at all. Is there anything special, any special type of precautions that the staff is taking to, in order to protect them, or is it just is it just luck at this point as far as when when people pop positive? I think it's just luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor uh, John McKnight, uh, who's the team physician and head of UVA Sports Medicine. Uh, is a uh, a guy that I have on my radio show from time to time, and uh, uh, I know that he put in incredible research going back to last spring uh, on how to protect your teams 
and Virginia uh, during football season had one of the most successful records of, of any teams in the country. And I, I guarantee you they're doing everything that's possible to protect the team and, and its coaching staff and other personnel. Same holds true for basketball, but he told me uh, quite some time ago, I guess toward the end of football season, that that uh, doctors really feared what COVID would do to basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said that we've, we felt like if we could get half of the games in this season – that that would be gravy, that, that they weren't even expecting to get half the games played. So uh, I think uh, it has been and will continue to be just luck as we head down the stretch. And I'm, uh, I'm not even sure if the risk of having the ACC tournament is worth it this year because of that, because what if you are there in Greensboro and two teams come down with COVID and it starts to spread and, Mm-hmm. It affects other teams. Um, you know, what's more valuable, an ACC run or a, a chance to do something well in the NCAA tournament? And I'm not even sure that the NCAA tournament's going to be safe with so many teams all in one area. Uh, I, I just can't see us getting through that with, with all the teams being able to participate. Chimp, what's your what's your thoughts on on ACC tournaments compared to NCAA tournaments? Do you think that they can keep them safe? Listening to Jerry, I feel worse after what he just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay, you're telling the truth, and uh, I, I think I'm like most fans, just very just hopeful that we can somehow get the tournament the NCAA tournament in, and if that means the cancellation of some of these conference tournaments, then so be it. Um, you know, the, the big tournament is, is so important to so many people. Um, you know, from a monetary standpoint, it's absolutely huge. So, you know, listen to what Jerry said. Uh, I would I would almost expect, you know, these conference tournaments to maybe to start falling by the wayside so we can get the big tournament in. So the one thing that I will uh, throw in there, which makes me think that even though it may not be the safest thing in the world, I think they're going to be played for for one big reason, and I think we all know what that is. It's TV inventory mm-hmm. and money, and uh, I think that's probably going to rule the day when it's all said and done, sadly. Yeah, I think, you know, as far as the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12 goes, um, I'm not sure that it's imperative that those tournaments are going to be played. However, like Jerry says, you know, the the money is king, cash is king. What what I think really should happen is is um, conferences like the Missouri Valley Conference certainly sticks out, where <clears throat> that that tournament could be the deciding factor of whether or not that that conference actually receives multiple bids, and you have teams like Illinois, Chicago, or Loyola, Chicago, and Drake. Um, if Drake ends up winning that conference tournament, then that that conference probably becomes a, a two bid league. Um, similar things in like the SoCon as well as maybe the Mountain West. So um, I think some of those conference tournaments need to happen in order to put the best product out for the big tournament. But as far as the ACC goes, I'm not sure if we can really glean that much. 
from a from an ACC tournament that we haven't seen throughout the season as a whole. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. Um, a couple more things I want to get to, and then I'll let Chimp uh, put you in the bonus here. What do you make of the whole Jalen Johnson situation at Duke? Um, certainly hindsight being what it is, and they've now won three in a row without him. Was this an addition by subtraction type situation, or is this just the right schedule at the right time and, and Duke is finally just getting right? Or, or what's your opinion on that whole situation, Jerry? Well, I agree with my old friend Seth Greenberg. I, I think he quit on his team. And, uh, you know, if, if you were in it for this far, why why clean out your locker at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, this is going to be an unpopular view, but I think the same case holds true for Juwan Briggs and Virginia football. A lot of people were saying they would never criticize a kid for leaving a program, but uh, when you're that far into the season and you know you're going to leave anyway, then why not finish the season and help your teammates? You made a pledge to them. Uh, you, you're part of the brotherhood. And I, I think I think you're betraying your teammates. I think you're letting them down. I think you're quitting on them when you leave. You know, if he'd have done it early in the season, yeah, I could understand that. Or, you know, or at least wait until the season's over and then transfer. But when you're uh, late into the season, uh, I just don't see it. I, I just don't understand the rationale behind it. And uh, I know they can talk about the NBA and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I uh, I just I just don't buy it. I, 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 uh, I've talked to some people some of them don't see it as addition by subtraction. I do. Uh, he wasn't playing that well to begin with. No. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know he had a foot injury and that set him back a little bit. But um, I, I think uh, if, if, you're, uh, if you have a guy in there and a coach is sending a message to you that you're not playing that well, maybe not practicing that well, and you don't, you don't step up your game, I think it's on you. And uh, Shashevsky clearly sent him a message that he wasn't uh, living up to expectations. And the kid just, you know, instead of fighting to show his coach that he was dedicated, he he quit. Um, that's where I stand on it. I, I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but that's my view. No, I believe I, I'm I'm on that I'm on that side of the fence with you as well. Um, one last thing I wanted to get to. Real quick, just gather your opinion on when the news broke about Tyrese Radford um, being suspended indefinitely by Virginia Tech. I didn't see the initial story as to why he was actually suspended. Um, I've read, you know, since that it was a DUI and I believe a weapons charge as well. Um, as far as I know, he's still suspended indefinitely and still with the team. They've kind of laid out a plan for him to be able to return to the team. Given given the the severity of the charges, is, was it shocking that he's still able to be with the team, or um, do you have an opinion on that whole situation? Either way, uh, yeah, I was surprised uh, at the initial reports as well. Um, you don't think of most college basketball players doing that, but uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I have to admire Virginia Tech and Mike Young for suspending mm-hmm. and. Uh, I know uh, some people in years past would have uh, would have accused the Hokies of uh, just tapping some of their players on the wrist and getting them back into action. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So I, I have to admire Mike Young and uh, the administration for doing what they did. I think they did the right thing. And uh, I would think, I would hope that any college would do the same thing. Um, I really don't think he should be on the team the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need to pay the penalty. Uh, I don't know what their plans are, or maybe they're just saying that uh, he, you know, there, there might be a venue for him to get back. I don't know if they've uh, set any tasks ahead of him of maybe some uh, uh, alcohol abuse prevention programs or uh, or. Uh, uh, safety with guns. I, you know, I don't know what they might have uh, have him enrolled in to see if he can uh, better himself. But uh, I, I don't think he should play the rest of this season, um, whether he's at Virginia Tech or, or any other school. I, I just don't. Uh, I don't think he should take this lightly. And uh, so far, they haven't, and I, I admire them for that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, you know we've seen it in the past. You know, Duke immediately comes to mind that when Duke suspends yeah. somebody, you know, indefinitely, it's usually for a couple practices. Florida State, uh, Florida State with Bobby Bowden, there was a lot of that too. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, so, Jerry, what we like to do to close the show each week is we call it uh, putting the guest in the bonus. And the chimp's going to go ahead and give you a seven-pack of questions. It's just an opportunity for listeners to to get to know the journalist and the radio personality on more of a on more of a personal level. And uh, we usually try to have a little bit of fun with it. So if you're ready, I'll hand it over to the chimp, and he'll uh, put you in the bonus. I'll I'll do my best. All right, go ahead, man. All right, th- 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 this won't be graded, so no, no, no need to no need to, to get nervous. <laughs> All right, the first, one's, the first question is an easy one. Who was your favorite athlete when you were growing up? Uh, Joe Namath. Nice. Good answer. All right, this, this question, I know you're going to like this one. True or false, Terry Holland named his dog Dean after Dean Smith because it whined all the time. False. And I, I, I know the background of that story, if you want to hear it. Absolutely. I, I, absolutely. You want to hear it now or after the bonus? No, right now is fine. Uh, just, good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, Ann Holland told me this because she said Sports Illustrated got it wrong when they originally wrote that story. Uh, they, uh, Ann uh, had, uh, uh, I can't remember their oldest daughter, but she was uh, just a toddler, and Ann was pregnant, I think, with her second daughter. And so, uh, you know how uh, everybody adores the, you know, the new baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the baby had already been delivered. I'm not sure. So maybe she had, uh, and everybody was paying all the attention to the, the baby. And uh, the the, well, the neighbor uh, was a professor at UVA, and his name was Dean. And uh, he decided to give the oldest daughter. A puppy, because um, uh, you know all the attention going to the the baby, and so uh, they asked uh, the oldest daughter what she wanted to name the dog, and she said, "I want to name it Dean after the guy that gave it to him." And then so somebody asked the Hollands, "Did you name Dean your dog Dean after Dean Smith?" And uh, I don't know if it was Ann or Terry said no. But he does whine. But he does whine all the time. <laughs> so that's the real story behind that. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm. I. 
I'd read that in a couple places, and now I know the, the, the real story. All right, question number three. Who is the most media-savvy athlete you covered at Virginia and why? Wow. Um, there's been a few. Um, uh, Anthony Poindexter was one. Uh, uh, gosh. Um, Joe Harris was one. Um, Bryant Stiff was one. Nice. Um Probably, probably a few others, uh, including uh, Bryce Perkins was one. Um, quite a few, Matt Schaub. Uh, uh, but I, I think out of all of them, um, the one thing that impressed me most about Joe Harris was that uh, he took the time to learn Virginia basketball history. He could tell you anything about Virginia basketball while he was a, an athlete here. And uh, that, I think that put him in, a, in rare air because I don't think most athletes take the time and trouble to do that. But uh, all those guys were very media savvy. John Crotty, uh, Rick Carlisle, uh, I could go on and on. There was a lot of them that understood our job and, and uh, you know, tried to help us. And uh, not, not a lot of athletes do that. All right, very good. All right, fourth question. If... Virginia did not have a sports program. What other school would you choose to to cover? Uh, Alabama, because I've loved Alabama football since I was a tyke. Uh, I was a uh, Bear Bryant was one of my idols. I actually wanted to be a football coach uh, growing up. Uh, I don't know how my life got twisted into journalism, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually worked a couple of summer Bear Bryant camps back when I was in college because uh, I thought that's where I was headed. And uh, I've loved Alabama football ever since and, and Bear Bryant and that whole thing. So uh, I don't care about the other sports at Alabama, but I do love Alabama football. All right, question number five. You can have any person living or deceased on your radio show. Who do you choose? Wow, my gosh, that's a toughie. <laughs> um, probably one of four people that I, the only four people that I have autographs of that I've asked for in my life, uh, Bear Bryant, John Wooden, Muhammad Ali, and Sam Snead. Uh, nice. Any of those fours would be, any of those four would do. Four good ones. Okay, uh, question number six, uh, kind of a two-parter here. Your favorite musician and your favorite author? Uh, I love John Grisham because I know him. I've gotten to know him really well over the years. Uh, and he's been on my radio show a few times. Um, huge sports fan. Um, so he would be my favorite author. Uh, favorite musician? Mm, that's a toughie. Um, I'm kind of a Rolling Stones guy, so uh, there's some others I like, but if I had to pick one band, that would probably be it. Nice. Uh, that's a good one. All right, the last question, and uh, Michael, I feel like I need some music for this segment. I know you don't have any ready, but we're going to play a little play a little game called Take the Deal or Not. <laughs> okay, Jerry? Yeah. Here it is. The first one, 
it, you get to play Augusta National every day for the rest of your life. But you must play with these three in your group. <laughs> Lou Holtz, Mike Krzyzewski, and Satan. Oh, you yes. take the deal. <laughs> you know, I think I'd take the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 can, I can compartmentalize very well, so I block out Satan. Uh, I love Lou Holtz. And uh, I've had great interviews with him. And uh, Krzyzewski I can deal with. I've, I've talked to him. He, he's uh, A lot of people don't realize he's a lot more personable guy off the court than he is on it. All right, so you're taking that deal. Now the next one. You're offered an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii, but you must listen to Pete Gillen sing Christmas songs in your headphones for the entire flight. Are you taking the deal? <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not taking that deal. <laughs> I, I love Pete Gillen. I love Pete Gillen, but Pete can't sing. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so one, you took one and you turned the other down. And uh, Jerry, thanks. You're a great sport. Uh, enjoyed the interview. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. It's it's been fun. I, you know. The, if, if everybody made these things this much fun, I'd do it every day. <laughs> well, you, guys, you, guys are awesome. you guys are awesome. I, again, Jerry, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the on, on Monday evening, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Glad to do it. Thank right. you. Have a good night. Thanks, Jerry. You too. That was Jerry Ratcliffe, one of the, uh, one of the nicer gentlemen that we've had on ACCBR. Um, and I've always been a fan of Jerry. He's up there. Um, with uh, David Glenn, as far as ACC sports writers and, and people that cover the ACC, as far as guys that I respect and guys that I follow very closely. So it was a pleasure to have Jerry on. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, as the chimp said, he's a great sport. Um, and we'll absolutely have to have him on again. Um, please don't forget like, rate, review, share the podcast, <clears throat> leave us a leave us a rating. Um, we are now on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, basically everywhere where you can find podcasts. We, we should be there at this point. So, um, you know, wh- whatever anybody's preference, you can you can pass the word along. And they should be able to find us fairly easily. So uh, haven't got us haven't got a guest booked for next week, but uh, we'll be sure to uh, put out some more of that great content. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and we'll see you next week. Later.